Why don't you bow your heads uh, with me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, tonight we just give you praise, praise and thanks for your incredible compassion and your incredible generosity. It's hard, Lord, to grasp. It's hard for us to understand the mercy of God. It's your mercy and compassion that sent your Son into the world. Jesus was the compassionate response of God to our desperate need. And I praise you, Lord, tonight. I praise you for changing my life. I praise you, Lord, for saving my life. I praise you for showing me a new way of life. Everything I have in my life is because of you. Every good thing in my life that I have enjoyed and experienced, especially the last 40 years, is because of you. I would have destroyed my life, ruined my relationships, been addicted to my passions and my selfish desires, had it not been for you, Jesus Christ. And Lord, tonight we just ask you that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open our heart and open our mind to understand the ways in which you want to impact and influence our soul. That you would show us a greater way of living. That you'd help us to understand not only did you save us, but you came to show us the way to live. Lord, I just pray tonight that in view of the mercy and compassion of God, that we would present our bodies, our life, as a living sacrifice, as a vessel for God to use. I pray, Lord, that this night might mark for many here the beginning of a new way of life, the beginning of a committed way of life, of a God-honoring way of life, a Jesus way of life that says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought it was only appropriate that I end this series, The Bible People Who Shaped Me, on Jesus on Good Friday. It would be hard for me to overstate the impact that Jesus Christ has had on my life. It might seem like, well, that, of course, Mark, but seriously, no one has had a greater influence on my life than Jesus Christ. And over these last 40 years, he has shaped me, he has molded me, he's transformed my life, and he continues to transform it today. But it's just been remarkable to look back over these 40 years, and I've spent the last week just thinking about the last 40 years of my life. <clears throat> I recently, <clears throat> excuse me, I recently was visiting <clears throat> with a friend that I've known for <clears throat> 30 years. He and I are the same age, <clears throat> probably in just a few months of each other. <clears throat> and I first met him many, many years ago, not too long after I moved here to the cities. I was a young man, I was 30 years old, and, uh, and I was beginning to plant a church. It was my first church plant. <clears throat> it 
And I had this burning passion, which I do today still, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to other people. And to see Christ begin to work in others' life and see them be able to experience the reality of the living God in their lives. And so I met this guy and we're similar in age, young family. And we met recently. And he was sharing with him the story of, of, of uh, the impact that alcoholism has had in his life. The divorce that he went through. The challenges and the pain and sorrow he brought to his family. <clears throat> and I left that meeting and I just reflected. I reflected sincerely and honestly, uh, but for the grace of God, for the shaping influence of Jesus Christ in my life, my life would have taken a similar trajectory. I would have had different addictions. I would have had different compulsions, but nonetheless, I would have ruined my own life and the lives of the people around me. And he's trying, he's trying to re recover his life, but we'll have to see what happens. I'm not sure, to be very honest and frank, that he's willing to put his life under the control and the influence of Jesus Christ. You see, because Jesus Christ will not force himself upon you. He will only shape you to the degree you allow him to shape you. And nothing, nothing could be better for your life than to put your life, your little puddle of clay, so to speak, in the hands of the master and allow him to shape you from the inside out. And mold you. Everything. I just, I was just reflecting on my life. Lord, my marriage. I was just thinking of my marriage. And just in a few weeks, it'll be 36 years. And I was just reflecting on what God has done in our relationship. The habits that God has built and established in my life. The simple habit of forgiveness. The simple habit of putting my own needs aside and putting the needs of my spouse first. Well, I learned that from Jesus. I learned that because the Lord Jesus set his rights aside for you and me. And if he hadn't, we'd be destined to destruction. We'd have no power to overcome sinful habits in our life. We'd die and we'd spend eternity in hell. Had it not been for Jesus Christ putting our needs before his own. Before his own comfort, before his own safety, before his own comfort and security. <clears throat> I think about my relationship with my children. I think about the way in which Jesus dealt with people. I have studied the Gospels. I have, uh, and we're going to get into this a little bit tonight, looked at the Gospels and how Jesus worked with his disciples. How he loved them more than he loved himself. How he served them. I have been so impacted by the servanthood of Jesus Christ. And we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. But one of the things that I want to focus on this evening is found in the book of Matthew chapter 9. It refers to it. I'm going to read this and then I'm, we're going to talk about this this evening. 
Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 says, Jesus traveled through all the cities and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. And wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of disease and illness. He felt great compassion for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers for his field. This passage has had a profound impact on my life. It has shaped my life. And I want to talk about this tonight. The compassion of God is mind-blowing to me. The compassion of Jesus Christ. Jesus is traveling through town after town. He's preaching in the synagogues. He's teaching the ways of God. He's striving to meet the needs of the people that he comes in contact with. And if you read the Gospels, you know, it wasn't exactly the pretty and the beautiful and the people that we see on the front of magazines that surrounded Jesus. And there was the lepers and there was the prostitutes and there was the crooked tax collectors. There was the sick, there was the lame, there was the unkept. There was the people who just had so many problems, they didn't know what to do. And in one text we're going to look at in a moment, the Bible tells us that Jesus and his apostles had gone to a place to rest, and when they landed on the shore because they thought it was going to be a quiet place, the crowds had heard that he was going to be there. They spread a rumor, and they, and they stepped off the boat, into a sea of humanity and there were so many people it says Jesus and his disciples couldn't even take time to eat. And Jesus was so concerned about the needs of others. The word compassion means to feel deep sympathy and sorrow and concern for another who is stricken with misfortune. Accompanied with a strong desire to alleviate that suffering. Compassion is really the act of going out of your way to help physical or spiritual or emotional hurts or pains of another, of another person. This was Jesus' life. This is still what Jesus is doing today, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But when Jesus was on the planet... And when his public ministry began, at the right time, he went out among the crowds, he went out among the people, and he served them, and he loved them, and he laid his life down for them, and he was moved by their problems. They moved him. He was concerned about them, and he did things for them. But how this text really struck me was the calling that it put on my life. You see... I was determined as a young man when I read this, and I want you to think about this as a young man or young woman, old man, old woman, whoever you are here tonight. Will you be one of those compassionate workers amongst the people? Will you? Will you take the time to care about the human needs around you? sometimes we get overwhelmed. You know, we just get overwhelmed. We look out in the sea of humanity. We see what just happened in Kenya the other day. We see this German guy who flies the plane into the ground. We see what ISIS is doing in Syria, in Iraq. 
<clears throat> we can read about all the needs in the Sudan, and we can just be overwhelmed. And sometimes we get overwhelmed to the point <clears throat> we just do nothing. <clears throat> we just go around feeling sorry for people, but that's not real compassion. Compassion is actually doing something. It's actually doing something. <clears throat> it's actually taking the time to show love or concern. <clears throat> and I just like to posit to you this evening that you don't have to look halfway around the world. You can look in your neighborhood. <clears throat> you can look at a, a relative. You can look at a friend, at someone that you know. There are people all around this right now who need compassion. They need someone <clears throat> who sees through to their brokenness and sees their human need. Who sees they need someone <clears throat> to care. They need someone to listen. They need someone to understand. They need guidance. They need advice. You know what's interesting to me as I've pondered this text because I've thought about it <clears throat> for many, many years and I've, I continue to go over it. So I'd just like to read this for just a moment, have you think about it. He felt great compassion for the crowds because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. What does that infer? For those of you doing the divine mentor, if you're going to observe, if you're going to observe, what does this infer? It infers that people need a shepherd. It infers there's not enough of them. And when Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, sometimes what we thought when we read that is, oh, so Jesus is saying, go out and just <clears throat> pluck crops. Get them all, you know, bring them in. Just share the gospel with them. It's a lot more than that. Of course people need the gospel. Of course they need the gospel. The gospel is the story of God's compassion to man through Jesus Christ. He is the solution for all of man's needs. For all of mankind. That's what I mean when I say man. I don't mean men. I mean human beings, male and female. And multitudes of people don't know that, but people need the, the Lord Jesus didn't just share the gospel. He tended to their illnesses or their sicknesses or their diseases. Another passage that's really struck me is found in the book. Of, I'd like to read to you in Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> Mark chapter 6, and, and it says this. The apostles returned to Jesus from the ministry tour and, and told him all they had done and all they had taught. Notice that. They did things. They didn't just preach the gospel. But they had done things to help people, and they had taught things. <clears throat> Jesus said, let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. There are so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. They left by boat for a quieter spot. But many people saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and met them as they landed. A vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he taught them many things. You know where my passion and motivation to teach comes from? Because it's a living demonstration of compassion. Jesus showed compassion to the crowds by taking the time to give them guidance, to give them understanding, to give them God's truth, to help them understand how to live, how their lives could change. 
And whether I've had the chance to do this with one person, whether it's over the phone, whether it's over coffee, whether it's to 10 people, whether it's to 100 people, I have flown one time. It wasn't intentional. At one time, I flew 5,000 miles to speak to five people. It was a little conference in Berlin, and there was supposed to be more, but five people came. And I said to myself, you know what, Lord, you know what? What a privilege, what a privilege to fly halfway around the world to sit in a small little room and talk to five people. It's a privilege to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's been my privilege to go visit Teen Challenge. I'm always humbled when I go there. I'm always reminded of the mercy and the power of God when I go there. Some I've sat and we just have lunch together and we might have soup and crackers and we sit and I share God's truth with them or I try to answer their questions. I try to encourage them along the road and the journey that they're on. You know what's interesting about Jesus is that none of us, none of us deserve the compassion of God. The other night, my, my wife asked me if I'd watch the movie Unbroken with her. I, I didn't really want to watch it, to be honest with you, because I've read both Unbroken and The Devil at My Heels, Louis Zamperini's life story. And it's very profound. And the book is very good. And the movie's very good, but it's very gut-wrenching. I, I, have a, I admit this to you. I have a very, very, very difficult time with cruelty. I, I have a very difficult time with it. It makes me very, very angry. Uh, it makes me very emotional, <clears throat> and it makes me very sick to my stomach. <clears throat> and um, it brings up a lot of things. I, I'm not going to explain all the reasons why. <clears throat> Part of it, I guess, um, it, it certainly is because of my relationship with God, but I just, I just hate cruelty. I hate cruelty. <laughs> and um, my kids know that. One time we were at a karate school, and, um, and we came out of the karate school, and we were getting in the van to go, and there was this little kid, uh, he's about eight, and he was crying because a big kid, chubby kid, about eight others with him, about that 16-year-old age, had grabbed his bike, and they were making fun of him, and they were riding around, and I told the kids, uh, stay in the van. And the kid's like, what are you going to do, Dad? He just says, stay in the van. And... And so I walked over on the bike, uh, and I stood right in front of the bike, and I grabbed the handlebars. Of course, if the kid had been thinking, he could have ran me in the groin, but I wasn't thinking about that at the moment. I was really, really, really angry. (laughs) But it it wasn't just that I was angry. I was genuinely heartbroken for this little kid who was getting taunted and teased and bullied and couldn't get his bike back. And... I remember how many times, to be really honest with you, it happened with me. I remember how many times I was a freshman in high school and you'd walk out of the locker room, out of the shower, and some of the seniors would take a towel and they'd want to snap you so hard I'd take the skin off. And I'll never forget how I felt, how I felt one time. Of course, you can't do this today. It's one of the problems. But anyway, my, we, we, we had this, we had this uh, phys ed teacher. His name was Mr. Riesland. And he was... Um, <clears throat> My, my friend's dad, Mr. Riesland, was huge, and he could do 100 one-arm push-ups. You know, he comes out, he hears the crack of that, he comes out with a wiffle ball bat. I'll never forget this. I was thrilling. And we're all standing there kind of in the buff and wrapping a towel, and he comes out, and he, 
he smacks it against the locker really loud, like, you know, just freaked everybody out. And he goes, who did that? Nobody said a word. He goes, who snapped that towel? <laughs> and everybody's, you know, nobody's going to say a thing. And he goes, I'll tell you right now, this happened three years ago. I sniped after a kid snapped a towel, a wet towel, and he ripped the skin right out of the kid. If I see any of you do that, you come right over here, and I will smack you with this bat across your butt. And it was like, yes, finally, somebody's standing up for the little people. <laughs> but I hated phys ed. I didn't like, I got an A in phys ed, but I hated it. I hated the locker room thing. I, I hated it. It's just a joke. But after I became a Christian, you know, I just had this, this greater sense of justice and compassion for the people that get picked on, that get left behind. And some of you know this. You've heard me say this a number of times. But one of the reasons I started The Rock was to reach out to young people who have been, frankly, betrayed by my generation. And it bothers me tremendously. It bothers me. It's my generation that created the culture of divorce. It's my generation that killed about 30 million of your peers before they even got out of the womb. It's my generation that have walked away and broken their promises from your mom or your dad. My generation. And I see the brokenness in young people's lives, and it, and it, it weighs on me. So that's what was going on. I saw this little boy, and <clears throat> boy, I tell you, those 16-year-old kids, they were kind of shocked, this old guy. Well, I wasn't as old as I am now. And I walked up to that bike, and I grabbed it, and I said, is this your bike? He said, no. I said, you got permission to ride? He goes, no. I said, get off. Who are you thinking? I said, get off. Get off now. <laughs> and, of course, that little kid, you know, he's, he was drying his tears and glad to have his bike back, and he took off. <laughs> but here's what hit me, getting back to the movie. This hit me pretty hard. <clears throat> I'm watching Louie. I'm watching Louie get beat in the face. Like, and this is a true story. I've read the story. Like, I, I was reading the story when Jessica, my daughter, was sick, and it was, it was very difficult for me. But it helped me. It also helped me. And I'm reading about Louis Zamperini, who, who this Japanese guard <clears throat> has him. He's, he's already emaciated. He's already been hurt multiple times. And he stands in front, and he commands 200 American soldiers, one by one, to each walk up and punch him in the face. And if they don't hit him as hard as they can, he starts them over. And I'm watching this in the movie, and I was having a very difficult time with it. As I went to bed that night, here's what hit me. And I admit to you, I still, this is very difficult for me even to grasp walking with the Lord 40 years. The compassion I felt for Louis, Jesus felt for the Japanese guard. that inflicted that upon Louis. And I was really struck by that. I was really struck by the fact, because again, I know the story. I've read both the books. I, I, I went over them very carefully. Louis, years later, comes to know Christ, and he goes back to Japan, looking for every guard that was in. And for years, all Louis had wanted to do was kill them. In fact, he dreamed vividly. He'd have night terrors, and he'd wake up in the middle of the night in a dripping sweat, screaming and swearing at the bird, 
killing the bird. That's what they call this Japanese guard. <clears throat> One night, he woke up. He had the bird's neck in his hands, and he was squeezing so hard only to hear his wife gasping for he almost killed her. He was a young man. She's, she's going to leave him. She's pregnant, expecting her first child. She leaves. Someone invites her to the Billy Graham crusade, his first crusade in Los Angeles. And she comes to know Christ. She begins to pray for Louis. <clears throat> she tells him, I'm not going to leave because I came to Jesus. He's thrilled she's not going to leave. He's angry, as you can imagine, about this Jesus thing. <clears throat> so he goes. A couple nights later, he goes. And when Billy Graham gives the invitation, he runs out the back. A couple nights later, he goes again. Billy decides to extend his crusade. Louis goes. Billy gives the invitation. He runs out the back. <clears throat> the next time he goes, and Billy gives the invitation. And Louis stood up, and he tells the story. I don't know. I couldn't help myself. I knew I had to go forward. He went forward. He accepted Christ. He went home that night. He dumped every bottle of alcohol. He was an absolute alcoholic. He had vodka, gin, whiskey hidden all over the house. He dumped it all out. He took his little New Testament, and the next morning he went and sat by a tree, and God began to speak to Louis, and Louis spent the rest of his life serving Christ. And I, I, so I know the story. Angelina Jolie doesn't show that in the movie. But he goes back to Japan, and he finds every guard that he can and walks up to them personally and forgives them. And he, he repeatedly tried to find the bird, Finally found him, but the bird refused to meet with him. <clears throat> I was struck by that deeply in my, in my own soul. As I watched it on the screen, I knew the rest of the story. <clears throat> and you see what really hit me, men and women, what you need to understand and why Christ means so much to me is that God and his compassion, here's what you need to understand. In God and his compassion... Jesus Christ was given for you, except you're not Louis, you're the bird. You see, I wasn't Louis, I was the bird. I'm the one who inflicted the pain on Jesus Christ on that cross. My sin, my lust, my immorality, my greed, my selfishness. And the same is true for you. <clears throat> that's how moving the compassion of God is. We can understand, looking at the movie, you just want to reach your hands on the film and, like, protect Louie. Just the whole time you're watching the movie, you just want somebody to do something and nobody does anything. But you never, for a moment, feel compassion for the bird. Unless you're Jesus. Unless you're Jesus. <clears throat> I read today freshly, as I do every year, the crucifixion. I always read, I read it during the year, but I always read it on Good Friday. And I read the different accounts, and I came to the one with the thieves. And everyone's mocking Jesus. There he is. He's hanging up there. He's naked. He's been whipped. This blood is coming out of him. Skin is hanging from him. Chunks of flesh. Crown stuck on his head. And everyone below is mocking him and making fun of him, including the guys on each side nailed the same way. I'm like, man, it takes a lot of gall. And somehow, sometime during them both hanging there, 
one of them stops, comes to his senses, and says to the other one, hey, we deserve to be here. We deserve to be here. In fact, we put him here, our sin. And then he looks at Jesus and says, remember me when you come to your kingdom. And the epitome of compassion is Jesus looks at this man who just a few minutes ago was taunting him with all the rest of the crowd and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. I want you to understand something about our condition, the human condition. Every single one of us, You've probably thought to yourself before when you're sick or you've had some disease. Maybe you have one now, and you just wish God would heal you. Can I share something with you? Jesus Christ was given to heal us from the worst disease of all, sin. Jesus Christ was given to heal us from that which actually will kill us. That's sin. And then when we come to know Jesus Christ and we're forgiven and he comes inside of us and lives in us, now we have the power to overcome the sinful habits that have been destroying our lives. I don't know about you, but I I can look at my extended family. I don't have to go very far to see what alcohol and drugs and addiction did to my extended family. But I don't have to go very far. Maybe your issue isn't drugs and addiction. Maybe your, maybe your issue is just greed. Maybe your issue is having things your way, just your selfishness. But no matter who we are, without Jesus Christ, we have no power, no power to break free of our sinful, degrading, selfish habits and our selfish way of life. <clears throat> God gave his son. And he allowed his son. See, that's the other thing as I'm watching that movie. <clears throat> I was in a couple situations. The movie, the whole book's very personal to me for uh, a couple of reasons. But one of them is there were some times that, that uh, through Jessica's illness that I, I had to stand back and watch some things done to her um, that uh, they were incredibly unjust. And they were very, very difficult for me as a father. And I knew, though, uh, and, I, and to be honest, what held me back was I knew if I intervene right now, if I make a stink, um, they'll put handcuffs on me. You may not realize it, but when you go to a hospital, when you go to a hospital, you lose your rights. Your rights can be taken away from you just like that. And I watched some things happen, and, I, and, and some things happened towards my wife that... that um, well, let's just say if I didn't have the Lord, if I didn't have the restraining influence of God, I would have gone berserk. And I was thinking about this, again, as I was watching Louie, and, and uh, you know, I just thought to myself, what would I have done? Because I remember this one point when, when the bird says, I want you each to come up and smack him in the face. And the first soldier turns, he says, sir, <clears throat> we cannot do that. He says, do it, uh, or I'll do it to you too. And I, I asked myself the question, would I have done it? Would I have done it? Would I have participated? Or would I have 
refused and then taken all the brutality that would have come my way down on my head for refusing. But I'll tell you one thing I wouldn't have done. If I was Louie's dad and I had an AK-47 grenades and I watched that guy start to do that to my son, I'd kill him. I'd kill him. Just like that. I cannot even comprehend what it was like for God the Father to allow his son to take worse than what Louis got over and over and over and over again on his back, on his body, his beard ripped out, crown shoved down on his head, scumbags nailing his hand to a piece of wood. And he restrained himself for one reason, because of his compassion for me and his compassion for you. And changed my life, see? This is why I promised the Lord, I'll sing of your mercies. I'll talk about your mercies. This is why David said in Psalm 89, I'll sing of the mercies of the Lord forever and ever and ever. And with my mouth will I make known his faithfulness. God has been, mercy and compassion are almost identical. God has been so merciful to me. God has been so merciful to you. He could have just struck you down. Every one of us are like the bird. We've broken the laws of God. I was, a, I was such a rebel against God. I knew the right things to do. But in my heart, I loved my rebellion. I enjoyed it. I looked forward to it. I got out of bed to rebel against my parents and against God. And God in his mercy has been patient with you and patient with me. And he's working in your life. And he gave his son as your cure, as your salvation. And Jesus took the poison so we could have the cure. And then he changes our life. <clears throat> he comes inside of us. And this new person comes to life, and then little by little we can grow. And I, I used to tell my wife, you know, before she was my wife, she was a young believer, as was I. And I used to tell her, Kathy, you'll grow as fast as you're willing to obey. I have a young man back there I've been praying for. He's got a hat on that says obey. It's a good thing to put on your forehead, man. Obey. I've seen that shirt. Obey. Wear it. Obey. You'll grow as fast as you're willing to obey. Obey with your mind. Believe what God tells you to believe. Renew your mind with what God tells you to renew your mind with. Develop the habits God tells you to develop. Obey God. It's the best thing you'll ever do in your life. And as you obey God, you're saying no to the things that used to destroy you. You're saying no to the devil. You're saying no to the influences of the world. And you come alive as a Christian. You come alive as you respond to the compassion of God. So I told the Lord as a young man, you got the rest of my life, Lord. You got the rest of my life. Help me be one of those shepherds. Help me to show love and care for others. I want to close with this verse that is a life verse of mine. And it's really a verse that just helps you grasp what Jesus wants us to do. Luke 9, 48. This is from the Living Bible. Your care for others is the measure of your greatness. In the Living Bible, just a few verses before that, here's what's going on. 
the, the two, the apostles, they're arguing about who the greatest is. It's just hard to imagine, but not really when you think about men. <laughs> and um, so they're arguing, you know, oh, I wonder who, I wonder who his greatest disciple, I wonder if Jesus, you know, would uh, pick one of us, who his greatest one is. And it's probably Peter, James, and John that are doing the arguing, but who knows? So Jesus says, you know, he knows their thoughts. So he does this. <clears throat> Jesus takes a little child. And he says, whoever loves and cares for this little child cares for me. And whoever cares for me cares for my Father in heaven. And I say to you, your care for others is the measure of your greatness. I want to tell you a little secret about my wife. The most unbelievable quality in my wife is her compassion. I've seen Kathy with little children. Kathy always has time for little children. She always had, she's always had time for little children. I, I just, it kind of just blew my mind just to watch her. She always has time for hurting people. I've seen her through the years take time with people that I'm telling you, I'm just confessing my own sin here, that I think to myself, it's honey, that's, you know, they're a waste of time. Realizing, of course, that there is no human being in God's eyes that's a waste of time. But it's something that I've wanted God and I've seen God do in my heart more and more. And one of the great ways he did it was through Jessica's illness. I can say that, that going in, I, I, I was compassionate. Coming out of it, I'm a lot, 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 lot more compassionate. Compassion. I want more of the Lord's compassion. And I just told the Lord, Lord, as a young man, I want to give the rest of my life to care for other people. To me... If you were to ask me, what is a pastor's job? Caring for other people. That involves a lot of things that I don't have time to go into. And we teach them, we encourage them, we guide them, we come alongside them, we pray for them, we empathize with them, we listen to them, we strive to understand, and we show compassion. I'd like you to bow your heads with me tonight. <clears throat> Some of you here, you know, you may not know for sure if Jesus is your personal Savior. You may not be confident that you've ever really begun a relationship with him. You, you may not even realize tonight, you know, here's the thing. We're, we're, we really technically, truly, we're, we're both Louis and the bird. We're broken, we're needy, we're helpless, like Louis. Uh, but at the same time, we're that individual who's been cruel, who's lied, who's cheated, who's done things we shouldn't have done, and we violated God, and, and we put his son on the cross. It was our sin. And we need his forgiveness. He wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. He wants you as his child. He wants to come into your life and begin to change your life. Will you let him? And so tonight as I pray, if you want to let him do that, I just want you to say, to yourself, to the Lord. He'll hear you as though you're the only one praying. Lord Jesus, come to my life. <clears throat> I believe that you died for my sin. I need your forgiveness. I embrace your gift of life. I want you, Jesus, as my personal Savior. Save me. And he will. Heavenly Father, I just thank you tonight 
for your incredible gift. I really, Lord, I'm just still overwhelmed by the kindness, generosity, and compassion of God. You blow my mind, Lord. You blow my mind. Everything I have in my life is because of you. My eyes to see, my mouth to speak, my mind to think, the blood in my veins, the heart that pumps it, the body that contains it all was a gift from you. And for so many years, I used that gift for myself and wasted it on sinful things. And on top of that, you gave me your son. And you worked in my life. And you showed compassion to me, Lord, when I did not deserve your compassion. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And I pray, Heavenly Father, tonight that you would raise up hundreds of us in this room to be workers of compassion in our neighborhoods, in our classroom, at our job, in our family, among our sphere of influence, that you'd give us the heart of Jesus Christ to love and care for others around us who are broken and hurting and lonely. In Jesus' name, amen.